Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast. Your backstage pass to intimate conversations with stars, creators, industry leaders, and Tony nominees. On Broadway and beyond. I'm Gordon Cox. On this episode of Stagecraft, I'm talking to Jessica Chastain. She's an Academy Award-winning actress whose resume includes movies like The Help, Zero Dark Thirty, Interstellar, The Martian, and the movie that won her an Oscar, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. She's also appeared on TV in limited series like HBO's Scenes from a Marriage and Showtime's George and Tammy. For the next couple of weeks, though, you can catch her on stage in her acclaimed, Tony-nominated performance as Nora in the ultra-minimalist Broadway revival of the Ibsen drama A Doll's House. As that production winds down its run, and we head into the Tony Awards on June 11th, Chastain is in the virtual studio with me to tell us why after years of being scared to get back on stage, now she's ready to make it a habit. Hi Jessica, thanks for joining me. Hi, thank you very much for having me. Congratulations on your Tony nomination. Thank you. It's very exciting. Yeah. So you've been doing Doll's House since the show started previews in February, and now you're coming to the end of the run. And you've said that you found this experience on Broadway that you've had with this show really rewarding. Can you tell us a little bit about what you've loved about it? Well, I mean, the thing I've loved, I think, the most about it is it's what kind of brought me back to theater. Theater is the very first thing that I ever really loved in terms of thinking about it as a profession. And, and I was a kid who, you know, was very involved in community theater and, um, and I would record the Tonys on my VHS and I was very excited about theater. It was really my first love. And, and I've been away from it for over a decade. So the beautiful thing about working with Jamie Lloyd and this production for Doll's House is it just feels like in some sense, I'm, it feels nostalgic and it's connected to me, me to, I guess, who I was as a child a little bit more. Um, and it, it's, it's been a very emotional experience. 
Yeah, you've said that you were scared to do another theater project for a while, for several years. What what uh, caused that fear, do you think? Well, you know, I, the last thing I did, it was, I think I was releasing Zero Dark Thirty at the same time. It was late 2011, early 2012. It was most, or I think that's right. I think it was 2012. Uh, yeah, this is the heiress that you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The heiress. And I was, there was so much going on and I wasn't really able to focus on what I was doing. And I remember feeling like the experience didn't feel as right for me anymore. Like maybe in some sense I, I shouldn't be, I wasn't meant for the stage, which felt so weird because that's what I always wanted to do. But I had found you know, a lot of success in the the film world. And I thought, well, maybe that's where I'm kind of supposed to, my career is supposed to, to live. And I just, maybe I just felt like, I don't know, it, it, even though I, I wanted to do it so bad, but maybe I wasn't supposed to for some reason. And when Jamie asked me why, when we met on a set, he, he asked me why I wasn't doing theater anymore. And I told him, I just was honest. I said, I'm really scared to do it. And, and he asked me to lunch and we went and talked about it for a while. And, and, you know, he just reminded me that it's what I've always wanted to do. It's a big love of mine. The theater really is where I belong and I shouldn't, you know, in some sense, uh, exclude it from my life and, and, um, because I love it. So yeah, it's, it's, I was afraid, but thank goodness I had someone like Jamie to bring me back. Yeah, this is the director, Jamie Lloyd, of the production. Had you seen one of his other uh, productions? You know, there was uh, there was the betrayal that was yeah. on Broadway with Tom Hiddleston and James McAvoy was in a Cyrano. Had you seen any of those shows? Yes, I, I believe I saw Betrayal and Cyrano both in London, I think, before mm. they came to New York. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I, I, you know, I was very familiar with his work and his minimalistic, you know, minimalism. <laughs> in his tone and yeah. style not quite this minimalist <laughs> yeah well, well yeah we're going to talk about that absolutely <laughs> how did you how did the two of you end up settling on doll's house it sounds like you considered a lot of shows well we were supposed to originally we were going to do duchess of malfi and that's what we decided right. on six years ago when we met and then when mm. it came time we were about to you know put forward an announcement and do it all of a sudden, there was a production of Duchess of Malfi playing in England. And he said, no, no, I can't. Like, he's like, it's not right. You know, we can't really do two productions of Duchess and Malfi within a few months of each other. So is there anything else you'd like to do in this slot? And, mm -hmm. you know, I think my very first, I said, well, what about um, Summer and Smoke? Because I love Alma so mm -hmm. much. And I mean, Tennessee Williams said that that's the character he feels the most, he felt the most connected with. I just, I love that character. And then mm. he said, well, again, the last season there was a summer smoke. Yeah. Yep. So I said, okay. Yeah. Um, and so we started, he was like, let's take the week and we'll just start reading through plays. And then I came, up, you know, upon a doll's house. So I, I thought like, wow, I really actually never, never seriously studied this. It's always been, you know, I've read it. It's always kind of, been around me in theater school, but I've never even seen a production of it. I'm really coming to it in a new way, um, which I thought would be interesting. And then also Jamie was very excited when I mentioned that because he said it was a play he's always wanted to direct and, and never really had the opportunity to. Yeah. And the version you're doing is a new adaptation by the playwright uh, and writer Amy Herzog, who you've worked with on uh, Scenes from a Marriage. Was it 
important to you to do a to do a sort of updated version um or you know in in the manner that she updates it and what do you feel like amy's adaptation uh, really brings out of the story for you well you know um initially we announced to do we were going to do a different adaptation because we didn't really have any time i mean it was such a last minute switcheroo yeah. so it was kind of like we had to find an already written adaptation um, and then when the pandemic happened and everything got put on pause, he, he reached out to me and said that he really wanted a female playwright to adapt it. And at that time I was working with Amy Herzog. So it was, it really felt like a match made in heaven. And I suggested her and he of course knew her work and was very excited to reach out to her. And, and the two of them, I know when she was writing, they had a lot of conversations. I think what's so incredible about what she's done in, in this this is the first production um, with it where a woman has adapted A Doll's House on Broadway. Uh, and I can't think of another, I mean, I've read a lot of adaptations of A Doll House. I really can't find any that, you know, unless it's completely modernized or, you know, changed the settings. And I really can't find one where a female playwright has looked at the original material and kind of, you know, you know, uh, went in like a detective and, and deciphered it um, as she could. And what I love so much about what Amy did is Nora participates in holding up the world that oppresses her until she doesn't. <laughs> and I find that to be really interesting. All I haven't, again, I haven't seen a doll's house, but I, I felt in the past, perhaps I hadn't been interested in it because it felt like Nora was such a victim throughout the play where, you know, in this patriarchal society, she's just so put upon all the time and so helpless, this beautiful victim, but a victim no less until the very end of the play. And in Amy's version, she has so much agency. She's she's um, working the system in some sense to try to gain power until she realizes like, maybe it's scary, but perhaps it's more interesting to live a life that's an authentic life and to really get to know who you are. And even if it means that no one will love you and no one will do what you want them to do, or, you know, you might be hungry even, uh, the idea of being true to who you are and finding that out for yourself is, is the question um, really exciting. And, and so I, I love Amy, that Amy's adaptation really puts Nora in the driver's seat from the very first scene. I mean, the very first scene Torvald says to her, what's going on with you today? Like something's already different with Nora the moment we meet her. It's been, something is happening inside of her. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that, the minimalism that you mentioned, the extreme minimalism of uh, this production. It's, you know, super stripped down. There's not much furniture. It's a mostly bare stage. There are no props. It's you and the lighting and the turntable and a few chairs, and that's about it. What have you found that does for you as actors? What does it um, open up for you? Well, I wasn't prepared for this, you know, starkness. Yeah. <laughs> and, and rightly so, because I think it would have been way too overwhelming for me, it, you know, to get it all at once and to hear it. And I might have been very scared to show up to, at that first rehearsal. Um, he, he's, you know, he parsed out the information um, Sparingly. <laughs> mm -hmm. It started with, okay, there's going to be no props. And I remember the one of the very first conversations I had with him, and it was even before we had our first rehearsal, when I found out there were no props, I said, Jamie, very confused here. Like in the play, especially, you know, even the one Amy's written her adaptation, Nora enters the stage with shopping bags and she eats cookies. 
And in the very first scene, she says to Torvald, I would never, you know, have a cookie. I would never go behind your back like that. So that's really important for the audience to see me do that because, you know, that's how we understand that she's, there's a deceit in the air. And he just looks at me and he goes, you'll do it with your acting. (laughs) I was like, what? What does that even mean? I'll do it with my acting? So I guess this minimalist approach that he's done, it really, it's unrelenting um, on the actors. I mean, he doesn't allow me to have a break from the audience at all. I mean, he, he, most of the time I'm not even allowed to, I, they, I have to face them. Sometimes I'm not even allowed to face my scene partners. The audience has full access to me, even in the pre-show. I, they have, you know, I can't hide. Um, they have full access to me and I can't hide behind props. I can't hide behind a set. I can't hide behind costumes. And sometimes I can't hide behind scene partners. I am completely exposed and vulnerable. And it's very scary as an actor because you feel like, okay, how am I going to keep people interested in what I'm doing for two hours when I'm not given the tools that help me tell the story? The only thing I'm given is my instrument and my myself, mm-hmm. my body. Yeah, yeah. And you're also miked pretty closely. You know, we can yes. hear sort of whispers and, uh, you know, breaths and things like that. Does it... Does that allow you to kind of incorporate some of your film technique into the stage work that you're doing? Is that how that works? Can you tell us a little bit about how you then modulated your performance to that? Yeah, it's it's very interesting what he does. It's like this audio intimacy. And he's, he's done it in all of his work. Um, and he said to me that he has, he does, you know, going to the theater and sitting in the third row and watching two people scream at each other or, you know, speaking really loudly when they're having an intimate conversation feels so false to real life. And so it's not just that we're my closely, which we are, we're also mixed during the show. There's um, a sound mixer who is in our very first rehearsal with us from the very beginning. We don't, we're not allowed to have scripts. They mic us from the very beginning. So the mics become part of our rehearsal process. And there's someone who's watching uh, our performances. So they understand when to make the mic, the sound louder and when to make it softer, uh, depending on how to, on how we're collaborating our performance. It's really this ensemble um, working alongside someone. And it's not, I guess the only, it's not similar to film except that um, because a lot of times in film, you're looking at like a, a tennis ball or, you know what I mean? Like you're doing mm-hmm. something that, but I guess that is similar to this when I'm not allowed to look into scene partner. The, the one thing that I think it's the most similar to is you're allowed to play the scene as though it was really happening. So you're not playing it um, as though it happened and you're trying to make it bigger so for everyone to see it. Because the reality is if you're also making it bigger than like the person in the second row isn't going to get the authenticity of the moment because you're trying to project it all the way to the back. He wants, he's, he's trying to bring into theater immediacy and intimacy and this feeling that it is authentic and it's real. And we are on the psychological journey and it's not, there's not like a wall between the audience and the actors. He wants it to feel like it is the, the, what, the breakdown, everything is truly happening because it is. 
Uh, he doesn't want any kind of barriers between uh, performance and the audience. Yeah. Are there still moments when you think, God, I would love a prop right now, or I would kill oh for a God. cookie or something like that? <laughs> All the time. I mean, there are yeah. moments where, you know, like on stage, it's so great. You can like walk around and you can like arrange the flowers or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. There are moments sometimes where, like, let's say, okay, I have, there's a moment where I'm left on stage and I have this breakdown. Mm. And let's say a cell phone goes off in this moment. All I want to do is hide. <laughs> All I want to do is be like, oh gosh, because I, but what I, what it does is it makes you go, okay. I mean, he, he's really, he traps me. You go like, there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to hide. So you better get really good at acknowledging something that's happened and then getting on with your with your performance, getting on with what's the moment that's happening on stage. And, and you can't, you can't take a moment to, you know, you can't forget a line because no one's really there to help you. You can't take a moment to like find your emotions again because you're facing the audience. And so, yeah, there are many times where I wish I had all of that, but also I wonder if that takes away from the storytelling, I mean, his whole point of a doll's house is he really wants to put the pressure on Nora and this sense that it's this pressure cooker and she has no escape. And so as much as I want Jessica to have a little bit of a breather, maybe in some sense that doesn't help tell the story. I'll have more with Jessica right after the break. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And now here's more with Academy Award winner and Tony nominee, Jessica Chastain. One thing I was thinking about, one of the, the uh, Nora and Torvald have three children in the play and they yeah. are not seen in this production. Their voices are piped in, which is a choice that is totally in keeping with the rest of the production. But it also presents a challenge to you as an actor because you don't have the same opportunity to kind of establish an emotional connection with those children or to like show us what kind of emotional connection Nora has with her children, if any. Um, and so it like it, it must make it harder for you to kind of convey the emotional cost uh, in, in as much as it exists of, uh, you know, leaving your family at the end. Like what, how did you think about working that into, um, you know, kind of your take on Nora? Well, it's interesting because I guess if they're child actors, you know, sometimes, yeah. especially Emmy's supposed to be four, yeah. um, yeah. supposed to be very, very young. Sometimes you have, you could, you know, kids can get distracted you know, sure. they're not actually really my children. <laughs> so, you know, I had to kind of do this multiple step of like, okay, let me figure out how to connect with these actors or help them around the stage, especially if they're really young. You know, I've worked with oh, right. young kids before yeah. in movies and there's a lot of 
putting myself aside because I'm helping them find their marks and, and all of that. And I wonder if the choice that Jamie made, what he's done is, but in giving me the voices, he's relying on my imagination and he's also relying on the imagination of the audience. Um, and I, I don't want to say too much, but I have a very, very strong connection to the voices of the kids. Mm -hmm. And when I hear their voices, I never have to pretend that I, I love them. I really feel uh, that I feel 100% connected from the, the moment that they enter the stage uh, in terms of, of yeah. the sound. Yeah. And what about the moment uh, when it's one of the more famous moments in the play when Nora dances a dance called the Tarantella, which, um, you know, he's still not letting you move, right? <laughs> Very much for that. Um, can you tell yeah. us a little bit about how that moment evolved and how you imagined it? It's so interesting. This evolved, I think, from a lot of conversations, you know, Jamie and Jen and myself. I think Jamie's fear, and I could tell, because I, I could tell he was, when we were doing rehearsal, he wasn't super excited about the dance. And I kept asking, I was trying to understand, like, what was, and then I realized, I think he, he didn't, well, the number one thing he didn't want was the dance to feel like it was an actress, like a vanity thing of like an actress going, mm. look at me dance. Look how great I am at the Tarantella. <laughs> I, you know, in the past, it's probably been like that a lot. And so as we talked about it, I, you know, when we were talking, I said, well, what if she means everything she says? So like, what if she's completely out of control and her body's taking over and she doesn't want it to happen? What if the dance, and I actually even said, I know, and I said, this is not how I'm going to play it. But do you remember, I think it's called, Night of the Living Dead or whatever, and Bruce Campbell. You know, do you know that actor? There's oh, a scene. Are, is it like um, Evil Dead? Maybe is that Evil what you're talking Dead, about? Sorry, yes, yeah. Evil Dead. Yeah. And his arm becomes possessed. And, oh yeah, sure. And yeah, and tries to kill him. And so I brought this up. I said, "What if the dance is her body trying to break free, and she's trying to stop her body because she mm. wants to stay in the cage? It's safer." Like the line when she says, "Can you please take charge, Torvald?" What if she means it? Because life is easier when she doesn't have to make decisions and she doesn't have to deal with the stress, but there's something else going on. It's like this, her body won't let her stay in the cage. So there's like a, a two thing going on. And then Jen, our choreographer, so like we were kind of on that path. She brought up, which is fascinating, the Tarantella in, you know, it means like it's a, it's a spider, right? It's, and the woman yep. would dance to release the poison of the spider. And when you look at, um, conservative societies throughout history, many times women would dance for freedom in societies that they didn't have freedom. And it was less of a dance and more like an exorcism. It's like the women dancing in the woods in Salem, you know, this idea of like taking their clothes off and whatever, like their bodies just take over. There's not their, their minds stop and the body takes over. And it's almost like this sisterhood, this, this, women finding the freedom in their bodies. And I think, you know, talking to Jen, talking to Jamie, um, that's where we ended up going is the dance in some sense, she's trying to stay in her chair. She's trying to stay in her place. She's trying to do the dance as he wants her to do it. But there's something beyond herself that takes over and she, until she can't control it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. 
as you mentioned, or you alluded to the pre-show when uh, you are um, you spend 15 or 20 minutes uh, before the start of the show, you're sitting on the stage, you're sort of rotating slowly, and um, you are acknowledging us, it seems like, us in the audience. It seems like you're not you're not pretending you don't see us. I feel like, you know, on the night I saw it, I feel like I was one of the people you saw in the audience yes. as you were going around. <laughs> you're not quite reacting, though, it feels like. And I just wonder if you could just... Like, who are you in that moment? Are you Jessica? Are you Nora? Are you transitioning? And how, what are the ways in which the things you see in the audience and the what the audience brings in, uh, like, what do you care? How do you carry that with you then into your performance? Well, it's terrifying because, I mean, <laughs> making eye contact with Bono or like, you know, yeah. Al Pacino or Lee Volman, who have all been there, it's, it's quite, uh, it's quite nerve wracking. Um, and, my, and my nerves of steel really have to show up. Uh, but I think, you know, in, in all parts, when I put the costume on, I already start to feel I'm the character. Mm. Once I put on the clothing of, of the character, I'm I'm in the, in that. And especially when I sit in the chair, the second it starts, you know, the pre-show is like I've been sitting in that chair for years, if not my whole life. So there is also the way of like the slouch, you know, it's not like I'm sitting upright in the chair. I have been there for a long time. Uh, and then the eye contact, it's a very interesting thing because it's like, it does a couple things. You know, I think we were used to going to the theater and the audience sits in the dark and the actors are lit up and it's like the audience can see you, but you can't see them. And what we're saying is like, no, 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 you're part of this. You are all, you are, you're, all, you're going on this journey with me and I'm looking at you. Um, and, and we're about to do, and we're doing this together. I can see you. So also I can see if you pull out a chicken and start eating it during the show, like, <laughs> you and I are doing this together. We're going to go on this journey. It's also in some sense treats me as an object, which is really interesting for a doll's house because I'm turning like almost like on this pedestal that's being viewed. People are, you know, I know a lot of the time they don't allow photographs in the theater, the pre-show it's allowed. You can take video, you can take photographs. It's just once, you know, the line, the dialogue begins, it has to stop. And it always does. I mean, everyone gets their pictures. It's all out of their system. They treat me as an object also because they walk in with the history of celebrity. It's like Zero Dark Thirty. Oh, I saw her in that or The Help or Eyes of Tammy Faye. Um, and they're walking in with that. And they get now 20 minutes to let go of that and see me now as Nora. Um, and that is, is, and it's just a fascinating experience uh, to be a part of. And they send me like, it's sweet. Like people send me hearts and they smile at me and they wave and they try to break me. And, you know, in terms of like trying to make me laugh and I look at them and sometimes I'll hold contact longer, but I always keep in character. So they understand the space that we're creating and um, they understand the journey that we're going to go on. Yeah. Let's also talk about the final moments of the show, which I guess for any listeners who haven't seen the show yet, if you want to preserve the surprise of the ending and you maybe haven't read about it yet, uh, maybe skip a couple minutes. But so there's no door to slam at the end of uh, your production of Doll's House. And so they do a cool thing where the sort of loading door at the back of the at the back of the stage, um, you know, rises and, you know, out Nora walks um, onto the sidewalk. So. The sidewalk is blocked off for that, yeah, at that point? Is the whole street yeah. blocked off? 
the whole block? No, no. Yeah. In fact, we've had a lot of interesting, like we've had yeah, I was gonna say, open I... playing music. We've had <laughs> a lot happening. I mean, there's, there's barricades on two sides and usually there's a ton of mm. people on barricades filming and, you know, hope, hopefully they're quiet. Sometimes they yell out my name and, mm. you know, um, we try to get them to not because of course you don't want to break the illusion of the show. Again, sure. I find it interesting. It mirrors the pre-show. You know, we start the pre-show, it starts like I'm on stage, but I'm not separate from the outside world. I'm making on eye contact with you. We're doing this together. And then we go through this hour and 45, hour 50 amnesia of kind of the outside world. And then we're confronted with it again. Um, and I think it makes it so interesting because, yes, you know, I think Dolls House sometimes can be a museum piece, you know, written in 1879. And it's like the parlor room drama and we've got the beautiful costumes and the corsets, and the petticoats and the fan work and all of those things. And this is like, how is, how is this, how are you taking this home with you today? And I've had guy friends come up to me after they saw the show and say, and like maybe the next day, you know, text me, say, am I like that sometimes? Am I like Torvald? <laughs> You know, they're really it's it's an interesting um, kind of confrontation of 1879 to the outside world of 2023. And how are you operating in that world um, as Nora and as Torvald? And I find it really exciting. Yeah. What if it's raining? Do, is it covered? <laughs> no, I, I just walk out into the rain. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I literally, the... I just walk into the elements. It makes it very cool. You know, it's like, yeah. so. It's also, I feel like I'm in Oz because the set, mm. there's so much minimalism. Yeah. It feels like the wizard of Oz, like, you know, Kansas is black and white. I'm in black and white. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the world opens up and it's technicolor. Mm. Um, and, and she doesn't know what's ahead of her, but there's a lot of possibilities. Yeah. What's the most surprising thing you've seen stepping out, uh, from, from, from the stage to the sidewalk? Um, my children. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, one, one day that my, my children were there for Mother's Day, which was yeah. a kind of a beautiful thing to walk off the stage as Nora leaving. And then, you yeah. know, and then all of a sudden see my family. That was, that was very emotional for me. Yeah, yeah. So you're in Doll's House um, through June 10th. And then what's next for you after that? Oh, gosh. Do you have any idea of when this, the strikes are going to end? <laughs> well, great question. <laughs> or yeah. SAG or DGA. I mean, right. I mean, I am all about, I am so supportive of the strike. It mm. is, uh, it's really kind of devastating what I've seen happen with the industry. And I, I hope that people are paired, paid fairly for their work. They deserve to be. And so... I do hope that we get to a place where we can, you know, continue telling stories um, and that everyone goes back to the table and, and, and plays fair. But um, I, you know, I have a lot of projects. I love Michel Franco. He's a, a, a filmmaker from Mexico. I did a film with him last year. I'm going to do another one with him that he mm. um, recently wrote. I have a TV show um, called Savant. I'm going to make at some point. You know, you talked about possibly taking a doll's house somewhere. So that would, yeah. you know, it's, there's a lot of possibilities, but again, you know, my, my very first thing I guess I'm going to do is sleep because <laughs> this is yeah. quite, quite the, um, the exercise of, you know, the eight shows a week of especially, um, theater 
where you feel like you're being, you are in this pressure cooker. It's, it's, you, you, I'm going to sleep for a week when I'm done with this. Yeah. Yeah. But it sounds like you're interested in making theater a habit, uh, you know, and kind of a regular thing in your career. Oh, I definitely forward. want to. Definitely. Yeah, say say yeah. more about that. Why is that? Well, it's what I love. I mean, it's mm. something that really, I love what I get to do because I believe that acting is an exercise in empathy. You know, you get to walk in someone else's shoes. You get to experience someone else's decisions and choices. And they may make choices that are separate than yours or have a history that's different than yours. And it teaches you so much about life and humanity. And I feel like, you know, even when I wasn't doing theater, I was always in the audience for these 10 years. I saw, you know, I love going to the theater. I love being in a room and feeling like I'm part of something bigger than myself. And theater does that uh, for me. I mean, I love, I love storytelling on all, all levels. I love making movies. I love making television shows, I, you know, everything. But there's something about being in a room with other artists especially where the audience is involved. Like I feel so connected to the audience, every performance. I feel everything. Um, I hear everything. I'm just, I'm, I, I don't know how to describe it. it. It's just, I don't feel it anywhere else. Uh, and I mean, I, I went and had dinner with my agent a few weeks ago and I said, how often can I go do theater where, <laughs> where it's, it's okay? Because I go, if I do it too much, does it, make me not as valuable in the theater? How does it work? Yeah. <laughs> so I was trying to understand. I mean, I, I would do it every year if I could. Um, so I'm trying to, to figure out what the next steps are. Uh, again, you know, if Doll's house is going to have a life beyond this and, and when that could happen. I still want to play Alma. So we've got, I want to figure yeah. out when I can do that. Um, and there's, a, there's so many incredible roles and it'd be amazing to also originate something uh in a, in a new play so yeah when it, you know i am open to all the opportunities but i hope it is i'm a new yorker i live in new york and i love walking to the theater uh mm. I, it's just i want it to be a regular part of my life yeah well uh we look forward to that uh seeing seeing you back in the theater but um in the meantime uh the tony awards are coming up we're not quite sure what exactly the ceremony is going to look like but it's going to happen what are you looking forward to most that night Oh, I love the musical numbers. I love them. I mean, <laughs> yeah. there's so much I haven't had a chance to see. When We close on June 10th, so mm. that's when I'm going to go see everything, you know, everything I can, I can get. I, I, I just can't wait. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I remember that was the thing when I was a little kid. I would just play it over and over and over again. I remember, and this is – I can't imagine doing it now. It would be so awkward and so weird. But the Tonys used to do scenes from plays. I don't know if you remember yeah. that. Yeah, um, on and off. They would do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I mean, that's what I love the most about the Tonys is the, the watching the performances. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I hope you enjoy them uh, on Tony night and I hope you enjoy the rest of the run of Doll's House. And we look forward to seeing you back on Broadway sometime soon. Thanks so much, Jessica. Thanks for chatting with me. Thank you so much. Of course, it's my pleasure. That was Jessica Chastain, a Tony nominee for her performance in A Doll's House, now playing at the Hudson Theatre through June 10th. If you enjoyed this conversation and others we've had here on StageCraft, I'd be so grateful if you took the time to rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps. Or tell a friend about StageCraft. 
Find past episodes and subscribe at all the places you get your pods, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on the Broadway Podcast Network, a great place to find more theater for your ears. Until next episode, find me on Twitter at GCoxVariety. Thanks for listening, and see you at the theater. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.